Welcome to the House Podcast. We want to encourage you wherever you're at today. Reach out or email us at any time, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, uh, it's good to be with you. Happy Sunday. It's Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, Is anyone actually watching the Super Bowl today? Okay. Nice. Go Tom Brady. Um, I am not watching the Super Bowl, but uh, more power to you. In fact, um, conveniently, three years in a row now, Chad has put me on the preaching schedule for Super Bowl Sunday. It's it's feeling like a very, you know, uh, a convenience that that just keeps happening. But no, it's good to be with you this morning uh, as we continue in our series, Shifting Momentum, How Small Steps Transform the Soul. We've been talking in this series about how it's so often those small steps that we take over the course of our lifetime that lead to lasting change, that lead to big kind of transformation, that if you zoomed out and saw the the sort of arc of transformation of your life, what you would find is a series of small steps along the way. Uh, Jesus has this great quote uh, in Luke 16. He says, if you're faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. So often the small steps lead to larger steps and lead to a transformed soul. But if I asked you this morning, what, what has been the greatest source of transformation for you over the last year, maybe, or the last three years, five years, 10 years, 30 years for some of you, what has been the greatest source of transformation? Or, or maybe put another way, what, what has helped your faith grow the most? over the last year, over the last five years, 10 years, whatever it is for you. What has helped your faith grow? I'd be curious to know what comes to mind for you. Uh, In 2013, the Barna Group did a study on uh, the faith of millennials, which is my generation, and how how they engaged in their faith. And at the time, um, it was a big talking point because there was a bit of a crisis, and there kind of still is, where six uh, out of 10 millennials who grew up in the church So 60% of millennials who grew up in the church would leave their faith behind within the first few years, really, of adult life. Essentially, as soon as they went off to to university, within five years, they would leave their faith behind, which is a massive number. We're not talking about just people in general, people who grew up in the church. And so everyone was figuring, trying to figure out, what do we do about this? It was a crisis. How How do we change this course? What are some of the steps that, what's working and what's not working? And uh, the Barna Group came out with this study in 2013 that revealed what was or wasn't working. And interestingly enough, when they asked the the same question, what has made your faith grow? What's the the number one thing that's helped your faith grow for millennials? The number one reason for a growing faith was simply prayer. Uh, Of all the things that could help a young person's faith grow, the number one thing was prayer. Uh, I don't know how that strikes you, but for me, that's surprising. Uh, And even a little bit humbling, right? Because it's not, you know, epic, great, dynamic preaching. It's not, you know, great programs and and midweek programs. It's not louder music or more haze or more lights. It's the simple, ordinary act of prayer. Small steps of prayer. I think if we're honest, uh, most of us find prayer kind of boring, right? Like, we can just name it. Uh, we kind of find prayer, it's like that thing that you know you should do, but you kind of never get around to doing. It's sort of like, oh, I, sh- I know I should. There's, there often can actually be a little bit of guilt as well surrounding the topic of prayer. Uh, but most of us, you know, for me, I grew up in church. Every six months or a year or so, it felt like 
the preacher got up and it was kind of the token message on prayer and why prayer is important and prayer is powerful and you should, you should pray more. And those were the mornings I just totally checked out, right? Like you just, you know, you're listening and your eyes kind of glaze over and you're just like, you start counting the ceiling tiles or whatever it is for you. Don't look up. There's no ceiling tiles up there. But, you know, you start just finding something to kind of get you through the morning because it's just like a boring topic. It's not that exciting. It's not that sexy. It's not that like, it doesn't have that punch to it. Prayer. And yet again and again and again, study after study reveal the common ingredient in a growing faith in a transformed soul is prayer. The most common ingredient for growth in your faith is prayer. And it shouldn't surprise us then that Jesus' life was filled with prayer. It was sprinkled in all throughout his ministry. It's like the common thread that, that kind of binds his ministry together from the beginning of his first miracle to his last words on the cross and everywhere in between. Prayer was a constant for Jesus. So many of his stories begin or end with just this phrase, as Jesus was praying, or then Jesus finished praying and, you know, the story kind of continues. It's all throughout the Gospels. In fact, however Jesus prayed in his prayer life, however it looked, it was so compelling that his disciples in Luke 11, they get this great verse from Luke, says, it happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. I don't know about you, but out of all the things to ask Jesus to teach me, prayer is not at the top of my list usually, right? Jesus, teach me to preach. Like, maybe some of you are thinking that right now. Please, Lord, teach him. Uh, come, Lord Jesus. Uh, teach me to lead or to build a business or to I don't know, build my brand or a church or teach me to heal or do miracles, raise the dead, like... Teach me to pray? It, it's not at the top of my list. Like, what a letdown. It's been said for, uh, for Christian authors that if you want to write a best-selling book, don't write one on prayer uh, because no one will buy it. It's just not a, a, a topic we're particularly interested in. And in our day and age, uh, the act of praying, I think it's not just that it's kind of boring, and sometimes it is, <laughs> It's not just that it's hard to pray in our world, and it is, I think, with all of the distraction that we face, but I think also in our culture, prayer is kind of seen as an unproductive activity. Uh, in a culture that so highly values efficiency and effectiveness and productivity, what you can produce or do or accomplish, prayer is not just kind of boring, it's, it's kind of almost a bad use of time uh, because there's things to do. There's work to be done. <laughs> The underlying belief is that there's, there's kind of real work to be done, like there's important work to be done, which is why prayer is often the first thing that gets squeezed out of our life when we get busy, that there's more important things to do. And yet for Jesus, prayer was the real work. Prayer was where the real work happened because prayer is the doorway into relationship with God. It's both the starting point and the end point in the process of transformation. Prayer is the work. And somehow the way in which Jesus prayed was so compelling and intriguing that his disciples needed to get in on it. Jesus, teach us to pray. And what we see in the life of Jesus and the life of the early church is this kind of beautiful mix of both spontaneous and structured prayer. On one hand, there's, there's spontaneous prayer. Again, Jesus just seems to find himself praying Stories just begin, and Jesus is somewhere praying. 
Uh, we get Luke 9, 9.18, it says, And it happened that while he was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and he questioned them. Or at Jesus' baptism, Luke records this, When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too, and as he was praying, the heavens opened. There was a spontaneous kind of nature to Jesus' prayer life, where it just flowed out of him in, in the midst of his everyday life and ministry. But he also had structured times of prayer. Luke tells us Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer, regularly kind of withdrew into a time of prayer. In fact, the custom of the day was a daily prayer rhythm of morning, midday, and evening prayer. And, and Tyler Satan makes this great point that in a world without clocks or iPhones or just the kind of the ability to tell time very easily, Prayer was one of the ways that you kind of marked your day. He says it this way, For Jesus and his earliest followers, communion with God marked the passage of time. Everything else happened a certain distance before or after prayer. Everything was pri prioritized around prayer rather than prayer fitting in around competing priorities. We see this in the life of Jesus. Mark tells us that in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. He had a spontaneous aspect of prayer to his life, and he had a spontaneous, uh, structured rhythm of prayer, of daily prayer. And I think for us, many of us see those two ideas as kind of competing ideas on, on opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, I imagine, if you're here at the house, you're joining us online, that you probably lean towards spontaneity. Because in general, in our culture, we lean towards spontaneity. And in general, in our Protestant tradition, we lean towards spontaneity. And in general, in our Pentecostal denomination, we lean towards spontaneity. It's kind of our thing, like the spontaneous life with the Lord that we have. But somehow we sort of start to believe that unless it's spontaneous, it's not authentic or real. That if it's spontaneous, it's kind of true and it's authentic and it's genuine. But if it's scripted or planned or structured, it becomes rigid and kind of inauthentic, disingenuous. I wonder where you would find yourself on the spectrum between spontaneous and structured. You know, for me, I, I began sort of taking my faith seriously in my late teens, uh, right at the height, the absolute peak of the relationship over religion movement that kind of took the, the Christian world by storm for, for a short while. There was this massive push, uh, driven in large part by my generation, to uh, sort of have this relationship with Jesus that it's, it's not a relationship, it's, it's, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. Books were written, videos were produced, and tattoos were had because in my generation, you don't really believe something until you get it permanently inked on your body. So uh, it's about a relationship. And, and we got all fired up. And actually, uh, I believe, I, to this day, believe that it was actually a really pivotal idea for me, my faith, that God desires me, not just my kind of empty rituals, not just kind of filling out the spiritual checklist, not just kind of going through the motions, but God actually desires us, our hearts, relationship with us. That is all true. But one of the consequences of this massive kind of push of relationship over religion, kind of separating those two ideas as though they were competing ideas, is that we threw out all sense of structure and rhythm to our life with the Lord. The pendulum kind of swung, you know, the opposite direction so far, leaving any sense of structure or discipline 
behind because those things got relabeled as a form of legalism, as kind of trying to earn something from God. And so it was all about relationship. It's not about those things. It's not about the structure. And the result is a faith tradition that so strongly emphasizes a personal relationship with God, but really struggles to know what that actually even looks like. How do we actually have relationships? The relationship with God sounds awesome, but what does it look like when it begins to take shape? For me, I was passionate about that idea in theory about having a relationship with God, but in reality, my relationship with God was scattered and intermittent at best, usually motivated by guilt because I felt like I hadn't prayed enough in the last week or so, and ironically leaving me just as unsatisfied and disappointed as a faith that looks like spiritual checklists because my connection to God got lost somewhere in the midst of me being excited about my relationship with God. Jesus and the early church anchored their day with a rhythm, a structured rhythm of prayer and spontaneously broke out in song and worship and praise. They held both together because they're not competing ideas. The two are not on opposite sides of the spectrum. They work in tandem with one another, one kind of feeding the other, our spontaneous life with the Lord, feeding and building into our structured time with God and vice versa. We need both because whether you carve out a regular time in the morning to pray and talk to God or you spontaneously talk to God as you walk to work, prayer is the primary place of transformation because prayer is the doorway to connection to God. It's where we meet God. In December, um, a story came out, maybe some of you saw this, uh, about an Ohio husband and wife, June and Hubert Malakote. Um, uh, this story, I remember seeing it, it just kind of the headlines, and I went back to it this week. There's this couple, uh, June and Hubert, they got married at the age of 20 in Kentucky. They actually met at a church. He went off to the Navy, and then he came back, and they got married that year. They were 20 years old, both of them, <laughs> and they lived um, to be 100 years old. And so their story, their love story, made all these headlines because they were married for nearly eight decades, <laughs> 79 years and change. But in November of last year, June's body began to break down and she was admitted to uh, hospice care and she was put on end-of-life care. And uh, Hubert could not handle it. He could not, he could not fathom seeing his wife of that long, uh, seeing her suffer and struggle. And his body also immediately began to break down. And he found himself in the exact same hospice care center and they put him in the same room as his wife. And the doctors didn't know what was wrong with Hubert. But on November 30th, uh, he passed away in his sleep with their son claiming he died of a broken heart. <laughs> Just 20 hours later, his wife, June, also passed away. And, and so you have this, this epic story, right? This love story of uh, getting married at the age of 20 and living to be 100 years old. And they spent their last moments together in the same room, holding hands, uh, unconscious, as they took their last breaths within 20 hours of one another. There's something about this story that kind of pulls on the heartstrings, right? Some, but something that we kind of all aspire to, even if it's not necessarily in a marriage relationship, there's just kind of a, a commitment, a loyalty, a faithfulness that is aspirational, that we sort of look up to. And it's interesting, though, because every news outlet that I went to, to read this, about the story, and I went to a few, 
They all told the story exactly as I told it. They all told it in the same way. You scroll down and you see a photo of them at their wedding day. And they're young and they're in love and they're excited. And, uh, and then you scroll down and you see a photo of them in the hospital at the very end of their life. And that's kind of the story that gets told. And it's like, I'm surprised Netflix hasn't made that a movie already. Because like, it's perfect, right? Like, it's beautiful. It's romantic. It's heartwarming. But that's the story that gets told. And what gets missed are the decades in between filled with ordinary, mundane relationship. <laughs> Those moments of waking and working and eating and small talk and decision-making and planning and grieving and celebrating. Those are the moments that make up the substance of the relationship. Those are the moments that make up the, that span the entirety of this beautiful love story from start to finish and everywhere in between. Moments of ordinary commitment to another person, day in, day out, year in, year out, decade in, decade out. And sometimes we want our relationship to, to, to be a kind of series of epic encounters. We want our, our relationship with God to read kind of the same way. Like we go from one spiritual high to the next. These epic moments of encounter with God that are life-changing in his presence. Those spiritual high points where we meet God in a profound way, and so we search for them. We go to conferences, or we change churches, or we look for the right preacher, or we buy the right books, and kind of longing for this spiritual high, not realizing that all the moments in between are moments of faithful, ordinary, sometimes boring relationship, or what we call prayer. <laughs> See, the temptation for me is to get up and tell you an epic story of prayer where I was praying and God showed up and the, the heavens opened and the glory of God filled my car as I drove and something life-changing happened. And actually, I could tell you stories, maybe not quite like that, but where I met God and it was profound and transformative and my heart was changed and something shifted and I encountered the presence of God in a profound and real way. I could tell you stories of that. That does happen. But in between those moments are countless moments of silent prayer where my mind is distracted, I'm half asleep, moderately bored, trying to wait for the coffee to kick in. Those are the majority of my moments with the Lord. The spiritual highs, those moments of encounter and transformation so often are birthed out of a commitment to the ordinary work of prayer. Small steps of showing up again and again and again, like any relationship, just saying, here I am, here I am. What we don't see behind every spiritual giant or every prayer warrior or every kind of saint throughout the course of history, what we don't see is a prayer life that often looks ordinary and mundane and boring. A commitment to prayer that sometimes looks more like discipline than delight. And it's okay sometimes for prayer to be boring. It's okay if you don't always feel something or hear something or receive something. The point of prayer is not just to feel something. It's to cultivate a relationship with God. But if you spend enough time conversing with God, you will have your fair share of stories where God does show up and encounter you and you feel like the glory of God just fills your room and you hear his voice and you receive his love. You will have those fair share of stories. But in between those are very ordinary moments maybe even prolonged seasons where you just commit yourself to the ordinary work of prayer, where you reach for your, your Bible instead of your phone first thing in the morning, where you sit in God's presence quietly on your commute to work, where you scrub the dishes and turn your attention to God on a Thursday night. 
Those are the small steps that often lead to the encounter, the transformative moments in God's presence. So what would it look like for us to be people of prayer today? You know, I think it's harder to pray than ever. (laughs) I think just with the amount of distraction and stimulation we have, uh, it's harder to pray than ever. You guys are amazing, but our evening crowd, like I'll be preaching and I can see like often heads that go down as people reach for their phone and quickly do a scroll or a check-in or whatever it is. It's hard to be focused. It's hard to pray in our culture today. What would it look like for us to be people of prayer amidst the busy, noisy digital world we live in, who who consistently find ourselves in conversation with God and thus consistently find ourselves being transformed by God? Thomas Burton said it this way. He said, if you want a life of prayer, the way to get it is by praying. (laughs) And I love that. See, you can't really get prayer wrong. Uh, You can't really do it wrong. Now, there's different ways to pray. We're talking about it right now at Rhythms. There's all sorts of different ways to connect with God, and that's great. The only way we really get it wrong is by not doing it at all. When we just kind of stop or we write it off or we say, it's not for me, we lose connection with God. And and Chad made this great uh, point in our very first week in this series about small steps, that sometimes we want the, the, we jump to the big step. You know, if you think like, it's, it's 2023, I'm going to change my routine, and I'm going to get up in the morning, I'm going up to Knox Mountain, it's going to be beautiful, it's before the sun gets up, and you know, the birds are going to be chirping, and I'm going to just have this epic moment, and the glory of God is going to hit me every morning, and I'm going to spend an hour in prayer, and just interceding. It's like, whoa, that's awesome. Please, I mean, if you're into that, hey, do that, that's awesome. But most of us are going to do that once, and then lose steam very quickly, In fact, we're probably going to do it maybe once, right? Like, sometimes we set a goal that is so lofty, we're just kind of bound to be disappointed and to fail. But this is a series about small steps. (laughs) Dom John Chapman says this, Pray as you can, and don't try to pray as you can't. If all you have is a few minutes in the morning while you brush your teeth, pray as you can. But maybe you have 15 minutes in the morning or 30 minutes sprinkled in throughout your day. Pray as you can. Don't try to pray as you can't. Maybe you have a a few moments on your commute to work that instead of turning the radio on, you turn your heart to God. Pray as you can. Don't try to pray as you can't. But I think there's kind of two invitations for us this morning. The the band's going to come and lead us as we close. I think there's sort of two invitations for us. Depending on your personality, Uh, depending on your schedule and what life looks like, and uh, and treading delicately here, depending on your age. uh, I think there's a couple invitations. The one invitation is to meet God in spontaneity. If you're someone who knows exactly what your week is going to look like, you love the calendar. You live by the calendar. You've got calendars everywhere. You've got spreadsheets. You've got a budget. you like the budget. You say the word budget like 30 times a week. Uh, If you're someone who just loves to detail every part of your life and you know exactly what life is going to look like, how long your commute takes by the minute, how how many minutes on either end you have to spare, you might actually be invited into spontaneity to meet God in the middle of all of that, to actually kind of open yourself up that God might be with you amidst your everyday working, waking, driving reality. It's okay to go off script. It's okay to just spontaneously burst out into song or praise or gratitude or to intercede when you see something in the news, to pray, to turn your heart to God spontaneously throughout your everyday life. 
There's an invitation, not just from me, but I think from God himself, to meet him in the midst of your everyday life, to meet him in those in-between moments, the spontaneous moments, just like Jesus did. But on the other hand, if you're someone who rarely looks at a calendar, uh, you don't even have a calendar in your home and you don't even have one on your phone. You're just like, what's a calendar? Uh, you wake up and you love the feeling of just not waking up to an alarm, uh, to not even knowing what the day will hold. You're kind of like, life is going to hit me and it's going to be great and it's going to be awesome. If that's you, you know, where you just kind of wake up not knowing, you know, who you're going to see, where you're going to go, what time you'll get to work or get home, you might be invited into a structured time of prayer. The invitation for you might be to structure, to kind of order your life a little bit more around God, where you set your alarm for the first time in months and choose, instead of scrolling mindlessly on Facebook Marketplace for something you don't need, to spend that 15 minutes in prayer, talking to God, connecting with the Lord first thing in the morning. There's an invitation, not just from me, but I think from God himself, to schedule time to be with Jesus, just like Jesus did and with the Father. Prayer is the primary place of transformation because prayer is the doorway into relationship. So whether it's spontaneous prayer while you drive to work or at seven o'clock sharp when you sit down for your 15 minutes with the Lord, the end goal is the same, to be people who consistently find ourselves in conversation with God and thus consistently find ourselves being transformed more and more into his image. Regardless of our personality, our situation, our stage of life, the busyness that we live with, to let our spontaneous life with the Lord fuel and breathe life into our structured time with God and vice versa. So what does the small step of prayer look like for you? You probably already know. What does it look like for you to cultivate a connection to God in your everyday life? Uh, even now, you might even this morning just feel like there's an invitation, there's a kind of a tug on your heart towards one or the other. To open yourself up to God in times of quiet and solitude and structure or to open yourself up to God as you drive to work and turn off the radio and just let your heart kind of sing a song to the Lord. What is the invitation for you? Is there a small step you might take in your, in your schedule, in your routine, as you survey your life? Is there a small step for you? We're gonna pray here in a second and uh, just take a, a moment to open ourselves up to God in prayer. I'm gonna invite you to open yourself up to God as well, not just to have me pray, but to have you open yourself up to God and just see what's there, to spontaneously just connect with the Lord because I think there is an invitation for us. You know, every friend that I have who has fallen away from the faith uh, stopped praying at some point. <laughs> it's not that the sermons weren't good enough or the, the worship team wasn't skilled enough. They stopped praying somewhere along the way. They lost their connection to God. Prayer is the doorway. It's like this door that stays open on God's end. But sometimes we just need to walk through it. We need to open the door and connect with God in the midst of our everyday and in structured times of prayer. What is the invitation for you? We're gonna pray. 
and then the team's gonna lead us, and we're just gonna kind of sit together in God's presence to make room in just this moment together to turn our attention to God. And I'm gonna invite you in a minute just to like share with God what's on your heart, to kind of take inventory there and just bring it before the Lord this morning. Maybe it's been a tough week and you just need to like unload and lament and intercede and that's that's totally fine. And maybe it's been a celebratory week and you just wanna give God praise and gratitude. We're gonna pray and then we'll have a moment just to kind of connect with the Lord individually. So Father, we thank you that you're here with us, that you love each one of us deeply. And God, in a topic that so often is just kind of surrounded by guilt, we just pray, Lord, for your invitation this morning back into relationship. Would you just crack the door open again to meet with us and have us meet with you? We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're with us in the middle of our everyday waking, working reality, and you're also here on a Sunday morning every week as we gather for worship. So we just turn our hearts towards you this morning, lay before you what is in us. And I pray, God, that whatever the invitation is for each one here, that you would just extend that invitation spontaneity and a sense of life and excitement with you and to structure and order and a time of commitment and faithfulness to meet you. Whatever it is, God, I pray that you'd extend that invitation to us. We thank you for your presence with us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to take a minute or two together, and I invite you just to stay seated and invite you just to pray yourself, to turn your heart and attention and mind to God. Whatever it is that comes to the front of your mind, just to bring that before God and to let him meet you here this morning before the band leads us.